Pints and Pies Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Pints and Pies Podcast. Pints and Pies. Halfway down the net, there's a pod where I cast. We talk all about wrestling, future, present, and past. It's not at the bottom. It's not at the top. So this is the pod where I always cast. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. Yeah, I was on vacation and I prepared something. (laughs) Deal with it. I'm back. (laughs) And hallow than ever, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow member of the Nation of Conversation. It's coming home, and she's Kelkin home. I don't, do I have to? I'm not going to do Do you know it. the song? I can't believe you don't, you're not going to do the song. Is this you're the Daughtry the song? song? Is that what it's supposed to be? <laughs> no. Is that what it's, it is? It's, it's, uh, it's football, Hal. It's proper football, uh, because England are in the finals of Euro 2020, which is taking place in 2021. Don't ask too many questions. Uh, and yes, if you're listening to this on Saturday, the Euro's final is tomorrow on Sunday. And um, it, it is, it's coming home, is what I'm told by the internet. The internet says it's coming home. Why don't you sing uh, it for me? So I, I, I just, because I, I hate myself. Fair enough. Um, I, I will play it for you later. Literally every English viewer we have right now is sat at home going, it's coming home, it's coming home. And they can't stop themselves. <laughs> but I don't want to do that to you before we start. I'll do it afterwards when I will send you the links to Three Lions, brackets, it's coming home, uh, Vindaloo. And uh, New Order's fabulous World Cup song, World in Motion, uh, which is just really magical. I will not send you the Atomic Kitten. Apologies to anyone who is not an English football fan and has no idea what I'm talking about. But it's coming home. So that's all you need to know. All right. Coming home. Uh, we also have a special guest today. Uh, we also have a special guest today, which is Matthew. This is the Waydos Gatos. Welcome back Thank to the show, Matthew. Thank you for having me again. This is our first time being here together. I think the last time you were here, I was not here. Is that right? No, actually, the first time... We were here together? Yes, because I was on the episode where Shawn Michaels' Cookie Monster was invented. Oh, that's right. Which feels we just like full here circle. That's why Hal wasn't here. You're mistaken yeah. Hal with <laughs> I wasn't Cookie here. Monster right. Shawn Michaels. Yes. Cookie was uh, here. That's what that was. You, we have been here. You'll never see them in the same place at the same time, but they're not the same person. I was like, I'm pretty sure we've been here together, but I'm going to pretend, I'm going to like act as if we haven't and ask. You went and did like a fugue state Classic where you hell. were just Cookie Monster Shawn yeah. Michaels for that entire time. <laughs> there is no Loveland, only Shawn. <laughs> you know, uh, it's been a crazy 16 months. Matthew, what have your wrestling watching habits been like? Have they increased, decreased? There's so much on TV now. There's about 100 hours of wrestling every week. How are you? What's your pattern right now? Right now, uh, very poor. I have not been watching a lot recently, uh, but early on in the lockdown times, I went way up. Like, I was going to, like, commit to, like, Drew McIntyre as champion was the coolest thing. I was on board for that. And <laughs> I loved what they were doing story-wise right around the beginning of everything. But the the early days of no crowd, no Thunderdome, just, like silence you could hear somebody cough in the background during a match was so weird to me that it <laughs> it put me off for a while and i started to sort of like not watch regularly and then as they started to like bring the thunderdome in i was more on board cuz at least it looked like there was people there and then i'm kind of like going back around to not liking it again where mm-hmm. the push button crowd noises of just like pushing a button and now this is awesome starts or a what chant starts or they're cheering for somebody that they would never actually be cheering for just sounds so phony at this point that I'm I'm turned off by it again. So I had not been watching that regularly, but to prepare for this week, I went and watched literally everything from SmackDown to Talking Smack to Raw Talk, 205 Live, Main Event, NXT, anything. I My wife's out of town. I had a lot of time <laughs> to, to watch wrestling, and I just did. I hear everything you're saying, and it is very familiar to not only the three of us TNF regulars here, but probably a lot of our listeners. Is there also a fatigue that sets in? At a certain point 
when you have too much, like it, it, I, I get to a point sometimes where I love, I truly do love wrestling a great deal, but there are a lot of weeks where it feels like homework to watch it. And it would feel like that even if I didn't have to get on a microphone and talk about it for an hour. Oh, for sure. And I think right now with the no crowd thing, I had this, and I think it's only because I had to, I didn't have to, I chose to watch like 12 hours of wrestling this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In doing that, I started to be watching these matches where nobody's there. It's on 205 Live where they're even using like replayed people on the screens. Like those aren't like live people who are watching 205 Live. Mm-hmm. They're like using yeah. like people who are on Raw who aren't even there. And so it's like, who is this for? Like right now, like it, this feels like they've made yeah. it just for me right now where they have a mm-hmm. show where there's only two matches. It's on Peacock only and there's nobody watching live. Like, who is this for? It's a very weird, bizarre experience where I understand why maybe those shows don't have the best ratings right now because they just they're as much as the wrestlers are missing that crowd. And the more you watch of it, the more bizarre it gets. And I think, yeah, like it starts <laughs> to sort of wear on you where you're just like, you know what, I'll. Maybe I'll come back to this later. I don't. I, I don't need to watch all three hours of this right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think especially with crowds being reintroduced elsewhere. Also, I mean, AEW has their crowd back, but there's a small crowd on NXT. So then, when you go back to the other products and there's no crowd, it's starting to feel weird again. It stopped feeling weird, and now it's starting to feel weird. Like sports are happening and there's crowds again i don't know if i mentioned this there's a football tournament happening in europe right now Mm. full stadiums of people uh tennis wimbledon was this week and just full 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 stadiums of people and i a i find that super uncomfortable to watch too but it has made the no audience participant sports very weird as well it's it's so confusing we're in such a weird middle ground i don't like watching AEW broadcast live from the Delta Variant Arena where they've just <laughs> gathered a bunch of maskless F- Floridians to get together and sit next to yahoos, one another. Yahoos, I think, is the technical term. Maskless yahoos yeah. is, is the technical term for people who show up to things like that and are not fully vaccinated. Maskless yahoo, correct terminology. That's why it's always useful to look at the site map whenever you go somewhere. That's where all the different nuggets are hidden. Uh, well, there was a lot that happened this week to talk about, including two major returns, one of the great couples of wrestling and cat lovers extraordinaire, Zelina Vega and Alistair Black slash Tommy End, who's now Malachi Black. Uh, Malachi Black on AEW, still with half of his face purple, and Zelina Vega (laughs) with the top of her head red, appearing on SmackDown and being inserted immediately into the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. It's weird to see them not go to the same place. It is. I mean, it's like, I guess it's like when a, a couple breaks up to go to high school. I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> they've been together all this time and now they have to go to different schools. Will they make it? Um, they will because they are parents of a thousand cats. Mm-hmm. They have a cat army that requires their presence. But I'm not unhappy about either. Like, I'm thrilled to see Zelina back. I, I don't know how I feel about it, like, morally after she went on that amazing campaign to try and get union status and tried to get all the wrestlers into SAG and and was very vocal about that. And then suddenly she's like, just only kidding, only joking. I went went back, though. Um, When she presumably had other options available to her, but maybe she didn't. I don't know. Maybe maybe she did just want to go back. And the Alistair, oh, sorry, Malachi, of it all is the spelling of Malachi really <laughs> threw me off. You're spelling that with a K, son? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's like Cobra Kai, but with a Mala. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's exactly that. I'm sure that's how he pitched it to Tony. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was thrilled to see him. I was thrilled to see him. And I'm thrilled to see, see this version of him where he is in complete control of it. Because I think he is someone, I think there's two kinds of wrestlers go to AEW. There's the wrestlers who believe they will do better without the interference of... Stanford, and there are wrestlers who truly will do better without the interference of Stanford, and then they are not the same thing. Um, he is someone I think who let loose could be amazing. Um, I felt commentary did not do a fantastic job <laughs> of introducing him. I don't know if everyone heard that. Oh my god! With that street shoe on right in the face of Cody. 
Tommy in or whatever he's going to be called. That is Malachi Black. Oh, my God. He kicked Cody in the face, and I love that. I love when people do that. Didn't, <laughs> like, all in on that. Didn't JR at one point this week refer to the show as WWE Dynamite? That was last week, Hal. That was but last I'm week. I'm pleased you brought it up because I like to think about it at least twice a day. Matthew, what are your hopes for uh, either JR getting the name of the show right or, <laughs> or either Zelina Vega or, or Alistair Black? Do you think one of them has a higher ceiling than the other in terms of where they've ended up? I hope JR never gets the name of the show right because I feel like that's one of those things that causes the most ridiculous Twitter fights that does like out of all the like wrestling Twitter fights that don't matter that one matters like at the absolute least of people being like well right. on Raw this week they called Nia Nikki so that's the same <laughs> and it's like well one it's not but two who cares who gives a shit. We're so but, <laughs> truly. But like the thing, I, I totally agree with the the Malachi debut. Like that, my my knowledge of AEW is from Twitter clips and seeing YouTube videos of debuts and stuff. But mm. I've noticed this trend where like they don't give the commentary team a heads up on like who is debuting, what's happening, and I think they <laughs> want that sort of genuine surprise element. But also, yeah, it just comes across as like, hey, that's the guy I used to wrestle ten years ago named Tommy End. I'm sure he has another name now, but nobody's told us what it is. <laughs> I want to believe you. I really want to believe you that they don't know and that they're not just like super sloppy. Like, I, because I honestly don't know. And I say that as someone who loves Excalibur. Like, I used to go to PWG when he did the commentary there and he would always do fun stuff. And I've seen his work and I love him. But I'm like, they are, it, they remain not the best. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I am complaining because that's what I do. But, but it was just like, super pumped for the debut and super pumped to see it and then was like oh this was just a slightly messy piece of the very exciting puzzle yeah Zelina excites me way more yeah I'm yeah. right what's she gonna do what are they gonna do with her like does this mean they're actually gonna do something yay because I, I think Malachi is just gonna fight Cody which sure whatever that's fine that's, that's his job yeah. when you go there yeah, that's but what you have to do Zelina coming in and like immediately cutting a promo on Liv Morgan and being like oh that's why you're here because you're great <laughs> and yeah. you're just like yeah like she deserves to be in a front spot at whatever company she decides to sign with so like having her there is only a bonus it was weird to see her cut a, a fantastic promo on Liv Morgan who also was good on the mic that was like I like that segment overall and that it led to a match that Liv Morgan won and I know that right now she's on a winning streak so that's kind of the story but it seems weird to have Zelina lose there so quickly but also she would be a great person to put the briefcase on. Oh, she would be amazing. Yeah. Because she's sneaky and sly mm -hmm. and quick and all the things that you should be with the money in the bank briefcase. And, you know, you're talking about complaining before, Lindsay. And the one thing about... I was, Hal. I was talking about <laughs> complaining. Well, Let's talk more about that. The one thing about AEW that we've learned, and you personally, anytime you put those letters even in a word near one another on Twitter, is that it's <laughs> above reproach. And, and above criticism, especially when it comes to the women's division that is burning up television every single week. And with a flurry of activity, it only makes sense that we devote an entire segment to it. This is Lindsay recapping what happened in the AEW women's division this week in ring only, please, because some of us are putting over other things later on. I hate you. I hate you. Um, well, the good news is on this week's AEW Dynamite, there were no actual women's matches right so mixing it up um there was a mixed tag match mm -hmm. uh which was tremendous fun i will say tremendous fun it was the bunny bunny the bunny it was the bunny and the blade mm -hmm. they have names but we're not allowed to use them anymore <laughs> and it was chris statlander and orange cassidy so obviously super fun obviously people who have worked together a bunch uh, there was a lot of intergender stuff in it, although obviously it wasn't an actual intergender match because Tony would have had to be taken into a quiet, safe space and, and have his head petted throughout uh, to allow that to happen because Tony won't allow intergender because Tony and Vince are the same. Um, <laughs> sorry, Internet. Don't come for me. I know you're gonna. It, yeah, there was no women's matches. Uh, there was just the intergender the mixed tag because why would you... Why would you have two lots of women on? Uh, you know, I feel bad for you, Lindsay. Do you? That this, do started, you? this started as a joke, and it's snowballed out of control. And now I feel like 
we kind of have to keep doing it forever because it's gone from like a fun way to show that AEW hasn't fulfilled maybe one of their biggest promises to our way of pointing out week after week that this show that that foundationally claimed it was for everyone has seemingly and easy for the straight white guy to say it but seemingly <laughs> has marginalized their women left and right and then tried to profit off of them and it's not that they don't know because they do know because we know from a direct source within the company that they do know um our feelings on <laughs> on this they just don't care they don't care and they don't want to talk about it and they don't want to change it i hate it but i feel responsible for this segment forever. <laughs> when uh, when Andrade comes to the ring now, he looks like the Gimp. If the Gimp was an extra on Miami Vice, <laughs> when he comes out of that mask, it's really weird. Like, remember when yeah. everybody dressed in these suits? It could be Don Johnson under there. We don't know. Did you see? You haven't been watching, but did you see how they've been subtitling his promos? I've heard about it. I'm not a fan. Yeah, bless his little heart. He's working so hard, and he is entirely comprehensible. And yeah. They're just like, you know what? We're just going to take this out of your hands, Andrade. We're just going to uh, we're just going to put those subtitles right up there. Cracker Barrel so, thinking. Oh God. <laughs> Cracker Barrel thinking. NXT had the big show this week. They had their great American Bash with amazing matches throughout. Matthew, what were some of the moments that stood out to you? What were your highlights? I mean, I think just the the tag team match, the first opening match, the like yeah. I didn't love like Champa and Thatcher like as a tag team when they were coming together. Like I mm-hmm. like mostly like taking Tommaso Champa and like taking him out of the main event picture. I was like, "What are you doing? Like he's the best. <laughs> why why would you take him out of this?" But he is somebody who has just like made this seamless transition into a tag team wrestler, which obviously he was before. He was a great guy at doing that, but He's gone back to it in a way that doesn't feel reductive to his character or to what he's doing in the ring. And it just feels like a natural sort of like next move for him. My main issue with uh, Great American Bash in general was that like a lot of the finishes weren't my favorite. Like there Mm. was like a roll up cradle finish in that match. And then there was another weird ending with the L.A. Knight uh, Cameron Grimes match where it was like it felt like it should have ended and then they were like oh no let's do one more move that kind of doesn't really make sense and now it's over and you're like oh that was kind of anticlimactic and so I think that was unfortunately I think a, a bunch of great matches sort of like the thing I remember about the event though was the endings of the matches being weird even the women's tag match I mean all the I agree with you all the matches were good I get that it's cool to see Tegan Knox back there was something that felt like Something felt like it was missing from a lot of the finishes, one way or the other, either because they went too far or because there was like a step or something that maybe I missed. But it felt rushed. Like, I don't know if it was like because they were like doing a pay-per-view style thing on a TV show, if they were just like, oh, all these matches we planned for 20 minutes need to be 15 minutes now. And everything felt like they were just calling it a little earlier than they were trying to build to. And so none of the endings felt earned yeah it felt like a super packed show and not in a necessarily yeah. good way they've done takeovers where they have like three matches for the entire thing yes. and like <laughs> they try to cram in what like what four or five matches into this thing and i'm like that it just felt like way too much and i think the the women's tag is one that specifically felt like it was rushed and sort of clumsy and there was not really Ooh. like great stories being told throughout and then for that to lead to a title change felt even more awkward of like yeah. oh so you don't have a clear cut good story going on and they lost the titles. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I felt like that could have for sure been played out. I really felt like they could have had Tegan come on, cause a distraction, have them almost lose. But even if you had to have the way cheat to win, I think they should have kept the belts here and had this EO Zoe come back for a rematch. You know, like I really felt like it was a shame to rush that transition you know, and I, I love Index as much as the next person. I'm an Index shipper. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, bringing Indy and Dexter together, I, I fear the splitting of the way, and I'm not ready oh, for it. 
It's happening. I'm not ready for it, <laughs> right? right? And yourself. I don't, I can't, don't take it from Candace me. Candace is getting a singles <laughs> program against Tegan. With Tegan. Yeah. is going somewhere to be carried off into the sunset. Sunset uh, with Dex. So they're going to take art classes together and it's going to be adorable. And like, that's fine. But I just, I love them all together so much. And I felt like India's come on in leaps and bounds oh, yeah. in this partnership with Candace. Mm-hmm. I really feel like really disappointed um, that they separated them here. Super disappointed. Although like, into the idea of Eo and Zoe as tag team champions, like that they're gonna fight and be great together. But then at the same time, I've got Shotzi Ember vibes yep. from it, where they're not a real tag, and is it gonna work, or are they just gonna be scrappy champions who just both happen to be supremely talented? I don't know. I don't know. Why would you take it off the way, you guys? Why have you done this to me? It feels like they had a, a bunch of interesting stories. Some of which got fumbled at the one-yard line. Some of which got fumbled at the 50-yard line. <laughs> Just in terms of there's so much more mileage to be had out of it. The, the idea that yeah. of the way as champions and that the women's tag titles in NXT, while they're relatively young, don't seem like they've stayed with anybody for too long. No. I mean, like they made a huge point at the beginning of this match, right, of saying that the way were the longest reigning tag team champions. I'm like, did they not just get them? Yeah. Did they not just get them? Absolutely. And I'm all for, like, making it feel important at the beginning by having it be highly fought over and highly sought. But there's also passing it around too much where it doesn't mean anything because everyone's already had it, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if Io Shirai and, and Zoe Stark are the people to... To hold, just because they're not a team. I get that they're two very talented people. I have nothing against either of them. I enjoy both of their work immensely. I just... Tag team wrestling is a special thing. And it's... WWE has a history of ignoring it. Vince is not a tag yeah. team person. Which is a shame because they've had amazing tag teams and amazing tag team rivalries and amazing tag team matches. And there's a real opportunity here. The, the WWE... Their women's divisions, all of them across the board, are so stacked. There's really no good excuse to not have a a decent three to four team uh, mm-hmm. tag team division in NXT. And they have one amazing tag team. Everybody else feels like affiliations. Yeah. And at a certain point, they've got to actually commit to having some teams together. Yeah, I, that's why I would have liked to have seen it pull out into a longer program if they're gonna put the belt on them because it would have given Eo and Zoe more time to develop a style and see how well they work together you know I think Eo is so good and Zoe is looking so good that there's every chance they will be so great together but again what if the chemistry ends up not being there which we've already seen between two really great people yeah and Tony Storm had a great promo it was very cute the way she was like for example Tony Storm like she just picked my name out of a hat I am not an example. I am the exception to any rule. And yes, Saray was a big deal in Japan, but that was after I left. <laughs> I've won more matches in Japan than this girl has had hot dinners. That's the best mic work I think I've seen from her in this current run. Yeah, there were just so many really great moments in the show that I really enjoyed. But yeah, overall, I, there was nothing that like stood out, but there were really great moments. Like, there was just that one little moment between Carrion and Johnny where Johnny was tearing him apart and then Carrion came back with his, what did you do this morning? Get up and put your wife's jeans on, which really saved Carrion's promo because Carrion was getting very confused by the three things he does every morning. He couldn't quite remember what they were. Um, it's like, I think what you're thinking, Carrion, is drink a coffee, take a poop, go back to bed. But you, you've forgotten when he made that quip about Johnny's jeans, if you watch it closely, Johnny looks down at his jeans and off mic says, but they look great. (laughs) And it just, it made me so happy. And it's just such a reminder that Johnny Gargano is always on. He's not waiting to deliver his line. He's always on. I I really enjoyed the first 17 minutes of the Hit Row performance. Um, Like, you know, the second four hours of it felt a little bit much, but. The crowd did not know what to do with that. I feel like it they were so long. They all pal. did a great job. I, I watched it. I know. I know it was long. <laughs> but I also feel like for the majority of it, that crowd did not know what they no. were looking at. Well, everyone was waiting for someone to come and hit him in the head with a <laughs> two by four because it's wrestling. Yeah. Um, but instead, they were just allowed to perform for like 
roughly eight hours. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like they did a whole mania. <laughs> it's like you guys, you're all very impressive. You've all got your bit in now. Let's let's wrap this up. Yeah, it they felt took- like when they bring in somebody like a no, like Poppy or something like that that they often do, yeah. where it's mm-hmm. like, here's a performance from guest Grammy Award winning so and so, and it was like, yeah, it's kind of like that, but these. The call's coming from inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) We know these guys. They go here. They They go here. Yeah, this is not special. (laughs) You know, we were doing the talent show, and everybody was supposed to have three minutes, and they went out there for ten minutes, and I, my piano piece, I cut it in half to three minutes. It's not fair. That's exactly, (laughs) that's, that's what was going on there. Truly. I had two realizations while watching The Big Bash this week. Mm. Uh, one, Karrion Cross has big Vince Vaughn energy. That was my vibe I got from him. <laughs> um, oh, a compliment to neither man. Uh, specifically, I think when you were talking about sort of uh, Johnny's in-character all the time improv skills versus like Karrion Cross has his lines that he feels like he's going to yeah. shove those lines into the bit no matter what anyone else says. I have yeah. my jokes. I'm going to get them across. And I, I have your dad's sense of humor. <laughs> uh, so that was one two I this is probably controversial I don't love Kyle O'Reilly or this whole storyline anymore I think it was interesting when the turn happened mm-hmm. but everything since then has let me down almost like exclusively Kyle O'Reilly of like his gear is bad. His music isn't oh my great. God. His whole character is kind of confusing to me. And I just don't yeah. even like the way he wrestles right now. Like, nothing about him is doing anything wow. for me. <laughs> Every single week, without exception, my husband, who has never, ever, ever commented on ring gear in his entire life of, of my knowing him um, and his watching wrestling, which the two things do coincide... Every single week, he's like, why is Kyle O'Reilly committed to wearing the ugliest ring gear that's ever existed? And it hadn't really occurred to me as much as I was like, oof, not, not a fan of Urban Camo, Kyle. But he hates it. Like, he violently hates it. He's the same as you. Like, he loved Kyle O'Reilly, and now he's just like... Oh, can you just like figure something out with this? What is this? It's like he's and hitting the random button on create a character in a wrestling yes. video game. And he's like, I don't know, jean jacket. I don't know, camo. I don't know, bandana. I don't know. And the one thing he's committed to is the mullet. And it, of all the things. Yeah. Of all the things. But it, yeah, I'm, I, I gotta say, like the first half of this match was not my favorite. I didn't know where it was going. It just seemed to go on very long. Then our neighborhood feral cat came by to visit. So I went outside to pet her for five minutes. <laughs> then I came back in and it was still on. And then I really enjoyed the last sort of seven to ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I thought that it really picked up towards the end. But where where is it going? What is the point? Like, obviously, now they've got one each. So now they have to have a blow off. And it's like, but why? For what? For why? For why, NXT? Yeah. What is the resolution here? I feel like they got to move Adam Cole up. Like I think they just got to get him out of there. He was wearing Money in the Bank shorts this week. Did we all see his panties? His little Money in the Bank panties. Was that a was that a message or was it a request? <laughs> I know they're protecting him because they see him as just the future, or they see him as money or whatever. But I think it's time. It's sink or swim time. You can't keep him there forever if you're not going to give him the right thing to do. You have to leave Undisputed Era behind. Like, you need to, yeah. if yes. you're going to yeah. break it up and, like, have these, like, fractures happen, like, yeah. and you want him to advance to something new and exciting, he needs to just, like, leave that behind and yeah. it doesn't need to concern him anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could not agree more. Like, this has to be behind us at a certain point. We hit the maximum heat threshold and... Look, they delivered a a very good match. I agree that Kyle O'Reilly, he <laughs> he looks so weird to me. He dresses like Helen Slater in The Legend of Billie Jean. That's what <laughs> that's those are the vibes that I get. I see Julian laughing. You've never seen that movie, have you, Julian? Do you know that reference? My favorite thing is just laughing at any reference that you guys make. Usually, <laughs> oh great! So now I turned into Dennis Miller. Nobody gets the reference, but they just laugh because the rhythm is there. He combined the words I n- kind of know into a sentence. Yeah. Good job. Fifteenth-century <laughs> philosopher plus weird technocrat. See, you didn't laugh at that. That wasn't funny. Very good, Julian. Yeah, laugh at that. That Fine. was a test. That was yeah, a test. I tested you. You passed. Will you? We're all going to allow you to stay in our cool kids club. <laughs> If you have any thoughts on all the things we've talked about, including Kyle O'Reilly's haircut, you can find us on social channels. We're on many of them. They're in our show notes. When we come back, it's time to talk about the greatest Raw guest hosts ever. That's up next on Tights and Fights. 
Schmanners. Noun. Definition. Rules of etiquette designed not to judge others, but rather to guide ourselves through everyday social situations. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. Every week on Schmanners, we take a look at a topic that has to do with society or manners. We talk about the history of it. We take a look at how it applies to everyday life. And we take some of your questions. And sometimes we do a biography about a really cool person that had an impact on how we view etiquette. So join us every Friday and listen to Schmanners on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? Tides and Bites Podcast. Tides and Bites. Welcome back to Tides and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Lindsay Kelp. And... Matthew Gatos. This week, we're going to give one corner of wrestling some extra attention. This is our main event. Let's get ready to... Oh! What? Live, pal. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet, I'm tasking you with adding in WWE Dynamite to that. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. It's got to go in. It's got to go in. So you've seen WWE Dynamite. <laughs> AEW Raw will be right back. <laughs> <laughs> A little over a decade ago, WWE began its earnest attempt at more mainstream attention by bringing on a weekly celebrity guest host for Raw. There were a few good ones, but these generally ranged from average to unwatchable. Most of them were unwatchable. But there was one group of hosts who managed to elevate this practice to an art form, and that would be the 2011 appearance of The Muppets. Hi, ho! And welcome, everyone, to Monday Night Raw! Yeah! Matthew, did you watch this episode of Raw live? I did not. This was during my dark period. I was one of those people, like a lot of people from 2003 to 2013, mm-hmm. did not watch anything, missed the Ruthless Aggression era, missed all of these guest hosts. These were definitely things I was hearing about because it was like, wait, why is Dr. Phil on Monday Night Raw? Right. Why is Pee Wee Herman on Monday Night Raw? Vern Troyer. Okay. What's going on? Um, and so- I can't believe no one's mentioned Jewel. Can't believe no one's mentioned that right. fabulous episode where Jewel was the host of well, Monday you Night Raw. You also had John Lovitz and Bob Barker and mm-hmm. Snooki and Jonah Hill. Snooki was great. Justice for Snooki. <laughs> Justice for Snooki. I saw a WrestleMania match. It was great. Oh. I did dig Bob Barker. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, like, I think some of them were used okay because they, like, didn't make them do too much. They still, it kind of did the thing that they wanted it to do is that it broke into normal culture because people would talk about it and I would end up hearing about it or people who knew I liked wrestling would come ask me why is this happening and I'm like I don't know don't blame me (laughs) (laughs) now on the the flip side of this we'll we'll talk about the the chocolate and peanut butter of it all but you know I'm someone who grew up I was a I was a young child when the Muppet show aired so I watched that growing up The first album I remember owning that I still have is a cassette of the Muppet Show cast album, which features the song that I was satirizing at the (laughs) top of the program. (laughs) The Muppets have been a part of all of our lives for as long as we've been around. What is your relationship to the Muppets, Matthew? Similarly in that, like, I grew up not... No, like not knowing a time without Muppets like they were just mm-hmm. kind of always a part of my life watching Sesame Street watching like Muppets Tonight was my big like I was like I don't know nine or ten when that show started so Muppets yeah. Tonight was like my Muppet show kind of and so- I love that and yeah now I guess my relationship is that I host a podcast called Commitment where we are going through and trying to watch every single thing the Muppets have ever done in chronological order, starting back in the mid-50s. We've done, like, 15 episodes, and we're only into, like, the early 70s because there's so much to watch. Right. And that's everything from Rolf on the Jimmy Dean show to Sam and Friends to the Dick Cavett show to Mm -hmm. a bunch of Julie Andrews specials they made in the early 70s. Yeah. Uh, And we're watching... All of it, most of it illegally uploaded to YouTube because a lot of it isn't like <laughs> like on Disney Plus yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's sort of where I'm at now. So I'm full on like ingrained in Muppets at this point. Are you doing a lot of the industrial stuff? So you get like Cookie Monsters, the Wheel Stealer and stuff like that? 
We've done, we did a whole episode on commercials where we watched like four hours of commercials to pre- prepare for that, yeah. um, which is, you want to break your brain. You think like, okay, <laughs> I watched four hours of Muppet Show last week. That's not that bad. Watching mm-hmm. four hours of eight second commercials cut back to back to back to back will mm, drive you a little bit batty. <laughs> You're going to lose it a little bit. Um, but it definitely, uh, the reason we've called it commitment is because we don't know how long this is going to take to get through everything. And they keep making new stuff. So yes. it feels like a lifetime vow of me and my friend Sam <laughs> that we are going to be watching Muppet stuff forever. There are worse life sentences to have. Oh, for sure. I used to be on other people's podcasts where we would watch bad movies every week or old mm-hmm. like 80s throwback action films and I'm like that was really hard to do every week to watch another terrible movie every single week. Like I it was hard to find the joy in that. But watching a new Muppets thing every week, a lot of which I haven't seen in these early days, mm-hmm. is always fun. Yeah, even at their worst, they're still they're still pretty magical. And at their best, it's just sort of transcendent and pure joy. And, you know, there's a soul and a heart to it that is impossible to to deny. And that's as much for the people who are working them as just the characters themselves, who have now been passed to several different performers, each putting their own spin and spin on them. Uh, Lindsay, what about you? Similar. I grew up Muppety. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on TV. I, one of my earliest memories is being absolutely petrified of Count Count. <laughs> <laughs> he was a real vampire. He was going to come and get me. I had to sleep in my mother's bed. Um, <laughs> I was a sensitive child. Um, but I just loved it. We had, I, I have it behind me, which is great for an audio podcast, which no one can see. But my dad was a Muppet fan growing up and he had this like annual from the early, early seventies, um, this hardback book. And I would, whenever we would go over to my grandmother's house, I would obsessively read it. Like I would never, I would always have it with me. It was even, that's not even watching them. It was just looking at pictures of them. Um, and I have it and I love it. Um, so I loved it as a kid. And then I actually had some professional experience with the Muppets in that um, I signed an NDA, but the company doesn't exist anymore, so I think it's okay. Um, I ghost wrote, um, or I wrote the novelization of the Muppet movie, the first new Muppet movie that Jason Siegel mm-hmm. wrote and starred in. Uh, and I just remember getting an email from my friend who was the editor. who was like, check your emails. I need you to sign an NDA immediately. You need to do this. And I was like, oh, I'm really busy. I don't have time to do that kind of thing anymore. I'm so sorry. And she's like, no, you'll find time. Uh, and she couldn't tell me anything until I'd signed an NDA. And obviously, immediately I agreed to it. So I was given the script and I had to novelize the script. And I had a very short amount of time to do it. And it was all super, super top secret because I couldn't give anything away. And the script was wild because it had the dream celebrities that they wanted for all of the roles because they hadn't cast it yet. Right. It was just such a joyous experience because I got to like hang out in this little corner of Muppet World on my own making a Muppet thing. Um, and being part of it for a second. And I'm not saying it was the best part of it, but it wasn't the worst part of it either. Uh, so it was it was, it was, was pretty fun. And I, I have that novel, which has excellent reviews on Amazon, in case you, you dare to look at that. The, the book itself includes eight pages of full-color photos. So that's nice. Amazing. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> so wrestling fans tend to turn their noses up at anything silly, especially on WWE, which is, I mean, it's amazing the things that they will not turn their noses up at but when the Muppets show up on WWE is there a part of you that feels protective of them like this crowd better not don't you boo don't you chant the wrong thing (laughs) at them because this is you know in in a way the Muppets to to a lot of us who grew up with them they're kind of sacrosanct what's nice is that yeah absolutely I, I feel protective of them like especially now when they're in this like dry period where they're not doing a lot of mm-hmm. Muppet stuff I find myself doing this where Kermit has been in a couple specials recently for the 4th of July and then he was on a Disney Plus Pride special they did and like every time they do something I'm just like oh, he's just gonna sing Rainbow Connection again like do something more <laughs> fun with them and I think what's nice about this episode of Raw is that yeah going in you're like I remember watching clips from this years ago, did not remember until rewatching this week, like what exactly was happening. But what's nice is that immediately you see people in the crowd with signs for Kermit and Miss Piggy and they're excited. But the second (laughs) that I knew the crowd was on board with this idea was when uh, Miss Piggy and Kermit are out there and uh, Jack Swagger comes out and 
he does the most heelish thing you can apparently do in the WWE's eyes, and he holds Kermit's mouth shut so mm-hmm. he can mock them. And when he's doing that, Kermit's like struggling, and you can't like understand what he's saying. And the crowd is getting angrier and angrier every time Jack Swagger keeps talking and is holding Kermit's mouth shut. And I was like, oh, this crowd is totally in. They believe the Muppets are real. And I think it's something about the Muppets specifically because they are puppets that, like, it transcends, like, you can have Pee Wee Herman on, but people are still like, that's Paul Rubens. But, like, mm-hmm. they don't see Kermit and Miss Piggy and they're like, oh, it's Steve Whitmire and Eric Jacobson guesting on Raw. A hundred percent. Yeah, You don't. You know the famous story of Kermit on The Tonight Show, right? The uh, the boom mic story? Yes. 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 For for anybody out there who doesn't know, in the, I, think, I think to promote The Muppet Show or to promote The Muppet Movie. It was sometime in the 70s. Yeah. Jim Henson was on The Tonight Show a lot in the 70s. Yes. So Jim Henson is, as he would do at the time, he appeared on the talk show with Kermit on his lap and is talking with, with uh, Johnny, but would also answer as Kermit at himself and... And the sound operator, the boom operator, kept turning the microphone to Kermit whenever Kermit spoke. So you would start, it would sound different every time. Also, they guest hosted, uh, mm-hmm. Kermit guest hosted The Tonight Show. Well, he apparently also came up to Jim Henson between commercial breaks and said, can the frog speak up? I'm not yes. getting him on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Henson just Aww. had to be like, that's not how it works, bud. Yeah. <laughs> like, but there's been stories of that. Like Back to the Jimmy Dean days, there were stories of the same exact thing happening where they would be moving the boom mic between Jimmy Dean and Rolf. And it's like, Rolf is, Rolf's not real, bud. Like, <laughs> He's wearing a microphone on his head underneath. Yeah, You're fine. Jim Henson's down there. He has a microphone on him. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, people just buy in so much. Like... Through, that's one of the things that's been nice to see is that 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 happened very early on in the 60s. There's clips of Florence Henderson on the Mike Douglas show talking to Kermit and she is like staring into Kermit's eyes, singing to him. And she even comments afterwards where she's like, you really you really start to think they're people. Yeah. I, the best actors. I mean, Charles Grodin in The Great Muppet Caper. <laughs> that might be one of his. I mean, he's a, he was a great performer. That might be one of his best because he was so committed. You believe that he was in love with Miss Piggy or at least using her. But then falls in love with. It. I mean, just the 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 best that you you kind of have to buy into the reality, and we're going to talk about that in in a little bit. But yeah. uh, we asked the people in the Nation of Conversation for their thoughts on the Muppets as Raw hosts. Listeners Trish and Butch said on Twitter that a highlight for them was Beaker and Seamus interacting backstage and revealing that they are canonically related. How are your answer? How's it going? <laughs> No, I'm afraid I can't make the family reunion this year. No, man. Listen, do me a favor, will you? Please tell Aunt Teresa I said hello, yeah? You're a good man, you're a good man. Great to see you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was a really fun moment. What, what were some highlights for each of you of watching these, these characters interact? It was just so good. Was it not just the greatest? I watched it live and I was apprehensive because of my Muppet love. And I think this aired right before the movie came out. So I was feeling especially uh, sensitive towards my sweet Muppet babies, not literal Muppet babies. <laughs> oh, God, I love the Muppet babies. But I, yeah, I was worried they were going to make them wrestle. I was worried it was just going to, they were going to treat them badly. And I wasn't worried about the crowd. I was worried about what what WWE was going to try and get them to do. But it just, it worked so perfectly. And I just think that opening segment, there were two parts of it that to me were just, magnificent and it was that opening segment with Miss Piggy and Kermit and Vicky Guerrero, Jack Swagger and then Santino because it was the exact right combination of people mm-hmm. to have Vicky Guerrero versus Miss Piggy which is actually when you see them together you're like oh I get it <laughs> yes listen everybody listen 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 what what Piggy actually meant to say uh, uh, Mr. Swagger is is we understand and we don't want any trouble from you uh, or your mother what? Uh, what Excuse me! Excuse me! Excuse me! And then the other part of it that really, really works for me is when uh, Piggy is hitting on uh, John Morrison at the end of Piggy's final segment and she's trying to hit on John Morrison and he's like, oh, but my friend really wants to meet you. I'm not interested, but my friend. And he brings in Hornswoggle who shows Piggy his Kermit tattoo, his Muppet tattoo. Yeah. He's got the whole Muppet gang on his on his leg. And then Hornswoggle tries to get a non-consensual kiss from Miss Piggy, which is not cool, you guys. Nope. And Piggy <laughs> teaches 
everyone at home a correct lesson and karate chops him because we don't go around kissing people that we're not supposed to kiss because you'll get piggy chopped. Uh, and I, I just, I really think they did such a good job of playing to everyone's strengths. They made all of the wrestlers that interacted with them looked great and it made the Muppets look great. There was nothing about it that didn't work and it made me just so gloriously happy. Yeah, the fact that they like treat them as real people, characters, whatever, and everyone is fully committed to that is what makes that work. Because going back to talking about like celebrities and guest hosts on The Muppet Show and all these things, mm-hmm. the the moments when that falls apart and doesn't work is when you can tell the actor is like, yeah, I'm working with puppets, huh? That's weird. And it's like, that's when it falls apart. And you're like, come on, yeah. just buy into it. And every one of these wrestlers is treating Gonzo and Fozzie and Statler and Waldorf as if they are real people who, when Statler and Waldorf are like cutting their promos from the balcony on Michael Cole, Michael Cole's like mm-hmm. getting mad at them. And not because yeah. these puppets are making fun of him, but because these two old men are making fun of him. And I, I think it even works, like, when it goes into the Bizarro world and Dolph Ziggler, uh, like, pulls Gonzo's arms out and they stretch him <laughs> out and then they tie him into a knot. It works incredibly well. And because Jack Swagger and Dolph Ziggler are selling this so hard and taking it so seriously, yeah. it's as if they just, like, beat the shit out of Seamus or something like that in the back hallway. The way they look at Gonzo as they're tying him into a knot. And I'm just like, yes, this works. And I had that same fear with, like, trying to remember it back like did they put them in the ring did they try to make them wrestle and they don't but they go as close as they need to and it works perfectly they have animal be the guest timekeeper Mm -hmm. and he's obsessed with ringing the bell so he just keeps like ringing it for a while (laughs) um and then beaker shows up with the energy drink and helps santino win the match which is that's the way you do it like you you don't have them be too involved but you still have them like have an effect on the match which is like so many of these guest host things were like send Seth Green into the ring and let him do a stunner on somebody, <laughs> like right. Yeah. And then they, I don't want to see Kermit stun someone. It's I fantasy don't. camp. It's, it's like yeah. actor fantasy camp. And there's like a, a there's yeah. like a suspension of disbelief that only goes so far. So like if Gonzo had beat up Dolph Ziggler, I'd be like, you know what? That's maybe too far. I'm not gonna buy that part of this. But the idea of Beaker helping Santino out by giving him this energy drink that he spits in Jack Swagger's face. That still feels believable to me. Uh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> I love all of that. I love Gonzo's arms getting stretched out because that was one of my favorite Muppet Show bits mm-hmm. when I think it was John Cleese put him on the rack and stretched him out. They also came back a year later to do the tribute to the troops, which had my absolute favorite of all these moments, which is Daniel Bryan and <laughs> Animal yelling at each other. And then <laughs> and then <laughs> him, of course, you know, everybody was calling him a goat at the time. Then he turns and there is a goat. A Muppet goat next to him who believes <laughs> says he's, that it's his uncle. Isn't that what he says? It's uh, it's cousin Daniel. Oh, yeah. cousin, cousin Daniel. Daniel? Cousin I just Daniel. think this is the thing with the, the Muppets. This is like back to Matthew's point about when it doesn't work versus when it does. Mm-hmm. The Muppets are smarter than you. Like you can't try and get one over on the Muppets. You can't roll your eyes and be like, look at me with this puppet because Kermit will take you down and he doesn't even need to say anything to do it. He is a puppet that can take you down with a side eye and a crumpled mouth. Like, and I think WWE knew that and it felt like they respected that side of it. They respected what they were good at and the fact that you don't play the Muppets as dumb. Unless it's a dumb Muppet. But, like, you don't, you know, you never play Piggy as dumb. You never play Kermit as dumb. And it just, that's why it works. Because it just was, everyone's strength was amplified. And it's very rare that you bring something into wrestling that isn't wrestling and it makes it better. But this really did. Because it did just enhance the willing suspension of disbelief on both sides. Because you have to have willing suspension of disbelief to watch wrestling. Mm -hmm. And you have to have willing suspension of disbelief to watch Muppets. And if you go in with a Muppet level of willing suspension of disbelief, you're going to love wrestling a whole bunch more. (laughs) So it was just such a natural fit. And I want to see it again. (laughs) Well, it was was clear that they were, like, promoting the new movie. Obviously, that's why they were there. They were, if you go back to 2011, Muppets were on 
everything. They were like mm-hmm. in a Desperate Housewives promo. They were like anything that would allow the Muppets to show up, they were going to show up. Because this was their, like their first theatrical film in 12 years. <laughs> they had a lot to talk about, a lot to promote. So it makes sense that they were doing these type of things. But I think most of them don't work as well as the Raw one because you don't get to see them like folded into a show as much as you do in this. Like th- if they're mm-hmm. guests on the Tonight Show, they show up on a thing. Usually it's like people who just freak out and they're like, oh my God, it's Miss Piggy and Kermit. It's so great to see you. And like that's the extent of them interacting. Whereas this is so much like you get, yeah, you get the canon that Seamus and Beaker are related in some way. You get uh, them being involved in matches. And I think just allowing them to be fully wrapped into this entire episode it, it elevates both sides of it. If you want to see it again, you're not alone because Don on Facebook asked something which is pretty interesting. What are some angles you'd like to see between wrestlers and Muppets? Uh, some of Don's suggestions included Gonzo and Io Shirai discussing human cannibal tactics. <laughs> I have a pitch for this. When it's time to leave the Thunderdome, they should have Crazy Harry do the pyrotechnics and accidentally blow up the whole stadium. <laughs> oh, that, there we go. That'd be <laughs> a great... I mean, I think Crazy Harry's busy, though. I think he's doing the uh, AEW ring pyro. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's working on that right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then he should be available because he should have been fired. So. He was at least not paid from what the reports say. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, man, I know. I, I don't know where I would want to say it. The, the one team that I immediately think of and I want to think with the Muppets is the way I want to see the mm. way interact with the Muppets oh as we've goodness. established some of the best uh, improv performers in WWE and I just can you imagine the joy it would bring Johnny and Candice to interact with the Muppets uh, and the joy that that would then be trans- transmitted to us we would get that joy and I want some of that joy I just think that would be amazing I think oh. you could uh, make an easy transition that I think would work maybe more for uh, Alexa more so than The Fiend. But if you take Firefly <laughs> Firefly Funhouse and add in actual Muppets, uh, specifically like Uncle Deadly, like you uh-huh. have a creepy Muppet come in there and like help Alexa out or something like that. I think that's a sort of a no-brainer. But I think it's also, if you have The Fiend and Kermit, that might not <laughs> gel as well. Maybe like The Fiend and Animal could do something together. Yeah. <laughs> or the fiend starting a new uh, a a new version, not the Wyatt family, but his own family of Sweetums. Yeah, <laughs> in the Braun Strowman role, that seems like kind of a natural fit. Well, hell, if we're gonna have bands randomly performing on uh, NXT pay-per-views, just have the Electric Mayhem be like the house band for NXT Truly. every week. <laughs> they play uh, the intro, they play a little number in the middle, like. You can just have them live there. I would stick around for the whole two hours every single week. Imagine yeah. Samoa Joe week. and Bobo the Bear being the enforcers <laughs> for NXT. They, those two as a duo. I'm just imagining Samoa Joe walking out to the Electric Mayhem and playing his music <laughs> with the swagger with them behind him playing the song. I'm just like, how is that not a juxtaposition of things that you wouldn't want to see? How would you not want that in your life? So great. I could see, yeah, Ding Dong Hello. We'd have some great Muppet spots. <laughs> a natural. Uh, John says that they'd actually love to see the Muppets interact with the AEW roster more if the Muppets ever returned to wrestling, including Chris Statlander booping Gonzo's nose and Fozzie being recruited into the Dark Order. That's actually like a really that. good one. I do like that. Because he would join in a heartbeat. He wouldn't even question it. He would be like, sign me up, give me a number, I'm all in, give me, give me the mask. Um, see, I want to see Gonzo with that mask on, though. I want to see Gonzo with, like, just his nose sticking out of a mask, trying to pretend it's not Gonzo. Also, with his hand in the air. Like, I can see Gonzo doing the hand in the air. Yeah. Gonzo and Fuzzy would be natural Dark Order recruits. <laughs> um, they just want to fit in, you know? They just want to be part of it. I do want to see the booping. I know we had this uh, idea of Chris Stanley the booping people on the nose and boop a Muppet. I mean, who doesn't want to boop a Muppet? Sure. So all in on that. You, but it probably would have to replace the women's match that week, though. So well, so so that makes it easy though, because there's not uh, many women who work in the Muppets either. So it's a perfect connection. <laughs> yeah. That AEW and the Muppets often don't uh, let women do very much. And Chris and Gonzo are both aliens, so perhaps we could find out more about where she's from. Yeah, they could be from uh, the same Perhaps planet. Gonzo should shed some light on that for us. That would be nice. 
See, Cody, it makes me it makes me sad. The reason they could never do AEW is because Cody takes himself too seriously. Yep. And yeah. Cody did interact with them on Raw. Like that, he had that one moment yeah. where he gave Kermit the bag. And I'm like, <sighs> oh, I miss that Cody. Remember that Cody? But I also and feel Cody, I also yeah. feel like we would get Cody would have to like go over Kermit somehow. Yeah, <laughs> like, he, he would one hundred percent have to go over. Like he would have to win because he's Cody. Yeah. He would have to like, make love to Miss Piggy does. in front of Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> My half pig, half white child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. They may be made of felt, but they are 100% American. <laughs> oh, going back to WWE, I'm just imagining Walter and Walter. <laughs> yeah i'm also thinking orange cassidy would be a good muppet foil mm. i think that could be pretty great that could be a good time yeah everyone what we've learned from this is the muppets make everything better i mean bring the muppets to new japan bring the muppets to new japan i want i want that too bring back old otis fun otis and that man's gonna have some fun with some muppets oh my right? goodness yeah that's a he's a natural he's a natural muppet fit i mean he's practically a muppet himself just <laughs> he looks just, like a gorgon. <laughs> I just put Sam the Eagle on commentary every week. Yeah. We need that sort of heel heat talking about where we're missing these values and these uh these yeah. family themes every week in wrestling. Oh, if Corey Graves doesn't want to do it, I know a Muppet that will. So <laughs> easily replaced. Just putting that out there. Easily, easily. Final word to listener Kyle, who had this to say. The Muppets were the best hosts because they also rely on kayfabe. We all know the puppeteer is there, and we all effortlessly pretend that they aren't. So you talk to Kermit, not the guy holding him. You meet Edge and not Adam. There, it is true that they that they both inhabit a secondary reality all the time that is fantastical. So it's it's I think that's why they're so they're so seamless in. You know, there, there's no wrestler that's going to feel like anything's beneath them. We've seen Katie Vick and the gobbledygooker. There's nothing that can be below. That's practically a Muppet. That's practically a <laughs> Muppet. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, they they work really well together for that reason. And, and, the, and the guest stars who were on the Muppet show who, who did the best were able, were able to accept that, whether they were huge actors or... More like the Harry Belafonte episode of the Muppet Show is hands down, he was the best host that they ever had, and that is that is a very wide field to choose from. But he he completely committed to everyone, you know he he completely committed to everything that he was doing and grounded it in in, in his own special way. They they just work. Wrestling is custom built for that. With other. Anytime you bring in an outside actor, it's going to be an X factor as to whether they're going to commit the proper amount or not. Well, I think that's the, that perfect point there is that they're both in kayfabe. And I mm-hmm. think that flicked a little light bulb in my head where I was like, that's why the wrestlers were willing to commit to this. They do the same thing every week. They are looking at like, yeah, I'm not this person. I'm that person. I am playing a different person every week. We do silly things. We blow things up. We are the Muppets. <laughs> like we like so their idea of not buying into this other world would be super out of character if they were suddenly just mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, I'm not going to pretend you're somebody else, buddy. <laughs> I'm a dentist. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you thought about the Muppets in wrestling on all our social media networks via the links in our show notes. When we come back, we've got three things from the world of wrestling that you should know about. That's up next on Tights and Fights. I listen to Bullseye because Jesse always has really good questions. What did John Malkovich wear when he was 20? I don't know how to describe it. There's always that moment where Jesse asks a question that the person he's interviewing has not thought of before. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me or acknowledged that to me, and that is so real. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. From MaximumFun.org and NPR. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Lindsay Kelt. And... Matthew Gatos. This week, we want to end the show by sharing some of the joy of wrestling with you. This is The Three Count. <laughs> 
Matthew, you're our guest. Please enlighten us. Well, uh, I know it's tradition around here to have a couple things. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I've got one one little quick one and then another one. Uh, so my one little quick one is the uh, the New Day put out a comic book this past week mm-hmm. with Boom Studios, and it's called New Day Power of Positivity. I had read previous WWE comics they had done a line a few years ago, which was sort of in that weird kayfabe world, telling the story of the shield of like, okay, but this isn't even like the story you told on TV. This is like, you want to tell the true story, but it's still not the true story. And it just didn't, something about that didn't click for me. This honestly is doing somewhat the same kind of thing, but the way they're treating this is that the new day are like superheroes and this is their origin story. And so it's showing Xavier and Kofi and Biggie as kids and like how they became wrestlers and why they needed each other and why they came together to form the best tag team in the world. And it just like the way they're treating it, it feels like the New Day, if they didn't have a hand directly in like writing it and sculpting the outlines of it, it at least feels like they're signing off on it because it feels like them. It feels very like earnest. So that's my first thing. My second Love thing it. is uh, Kevin Owens is always amazing. Specifically, when on things like Talking Smack and just when he gets to let loose a little bit, he's mm-hmm. always one of my favorite wrestlers anyways. But when he's being just kind of himself turned up a little bit, always fantastic. And he's had this story going with Sami Zayn, and it's always kind of like, okay, where is this going? What's happening? He's in the Money in the Bank. What's all this? he sort of solidified his direction of what he wants to do this past week on Talking Smack and basically called out Roman Reigns. But while calling out Roman Reigns, he chose to actually call Paul Heyman on the telephone while on Talking Smack. And I think that's the clip Julian has. So make sure Roman Reigns knows once I get that contract, I am coming for him. And there's not a thing he can do about it. Sir, I'm sorry. You must have the wrong number. (laughs) (laughs) But it opens up with KO talking to to Pat and them and saying like, all right, I'm going to call Paul Heyman since he's not here this week. I'm going to call him and do this. And Paul Heyman answers the phone with Paul Heyman. (laughs) And then (laughs) listens to that entire promo. And then at the end, just amazingly, he's like, oh, sorry, sir, wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> so, good. so good. Oh, that's amazing. Lindsay, what do you have? I have uh, one of those controversial alternative podcasts we've heard rumors about. What? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not really necessarily a wrestling podcast. Mm. Uh, it is. Um, allegedly, they exist. Mm. Um, but it is the unfortunately named Oral Sessions from Renee Paquette. Gotta go. Some say young. <laughs> yeah, I know. It just, it breaks my heart because I think it's good. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Why the name and why that photo on the graphic? But you're a beautiful, talented woman. You've done yourself dirty in two ways. Um, anyway, Renee is on maternity leave. Uh, congratulations to her and uh, her I say good lady husband. That's not right. Good lady <laughs> wife. Her, her husband, John Moxley, uh, they are at home with their baby. So uh, Danhausen took over hosting duties on oral sessions this week because to read the blurb from the podcast directly, unlike Renee, Danhausen did not just have a baby. Uh, so <laughs> you'll be pleased though. He's here to guest host the episode of Oral Sessionshausen with Ego or Ethan Page and RJ City. Obviously, friend of the pod, RJ, always good value on basically anything, anything that he does. But he and Danhausen have such fantastic chemistry. I always love watching them do stuff together. And uh, Ethan Page, just just a delight. I mean, not terrible, terrible, um, fantastic heel. But it is so much fun. They talk about uh, they talk about Disney World. They talk about RJ's WrestleMania show, which I hope you all watched, which was super fun. And um my favorite part is when RJ talks about his experience uh, making content with Stone Cold Steve Austin. There are some behind-the-scenes stories to be heard there, <laughs> and I recommend you go and hear them. All right. Everybody, check that out. I want to... I know we give the AEW women's division a hard time, and deservedly so, but one bright spot of the show on a whole is their decision to put the women's title 
on Dr. Britt Baker DMD because she is the right person at the right time. And every time they put her on the mic, it's gold, including her interview from this week. Here's a clip of that. Reba's knee exploded in a clearly calculated attack, and I almost died in a two-on-one ambush being powerbombed through a table. But hey, you have Andrade El Igolo, so enjoy your blood money. Maybe next week, AEW Dynamite can run in Saudi Arabia. And Nyla. There you go. Let I let her speak for herself way better than I could ever could ever do. That does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were Lindsay Kelk along with me, Hal Lublin. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. Commitment is your Muppet podcast, but tell everybody where they can find you. What else What else should they be uh, checking out? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Gatos. You can follow Commitment on Twitter at Commitment Pod. Uh, and for work, what I actually get paid to do is I'm a producer and editor on the YouTube series Journey to the Microcosmos, which is a like microscopy channel, which is like a bunch of cool, really like cute tardigrade footage and existential dread about single-celled organisms dying. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, uh, and that's what I actually get paid to do. The Commitment thing's just for fun. But also check that out. Please do. Uh, you can also follow me at How Loveland everywhere that you follow people. I'm there, hanging out. Got other podcasts. You know. Check them out. Why don't you? Lindsay? Yes, I am also on the internet. All the time. All the time, actually. Um, at Lindsay Kelk. Uh, Twitter, Instagram is where you will find me most regularly. If you're in the UK, the new edition of the Single Girls To-Do List came out yesterday is a repackage of a book I wrote a long time ago, which we updated a little bit and gave it a snazzy new cover and wrote a new exciting uh, extra 80 pages, Hal. They were like, can you write a little extra short story maybe? And I was like, no, I would love to. And then it was 80 pages, um, which is all so many pages. I'm like, oh, I wrote half a book accidentally. Um, so that's out if you're looking for a fun summer read. Uh, or you get a real library. Libraries are great places. Frequent them. Yay. Do it. Our producer, Julian Burrell, wants you to listen to the JV Club if you want to hear about Colt Cabana's backstory this week. Oh, wow, Janet had cold on? <laughs> yeah, I'll bet you'll never guess who recommended that. <laughs> no, no idea. No clue. No, I know Janet is a huge wrestling fan, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Links to all of those are in our show notes. But if you love what we do, remember, hit those five stars in Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Let's grow the nation of conversation. Thank you so much to the Max Fund members who make this show possible. We'll be back next week for even more. You guessed it, wrestling. Ties and Bites Podcast. Ties and My favorite thing about the uh, the blue camouflage. Legend of Billie I, Jean. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the blue camouflage that I think uh, O'Reilly was wearing at uh, the last takeover. It's like I let like blue camouflage whenever I see it anywhere always bugs the shit out of me and mm. I don't really know why. I'm like, yeah, it comes in real handy when you're wrestling in the sky or underwater, man. <laughs> like, you, you rock that so blue weird. camo. Yeah, it's like a, a, a like a a weird like submarine movie from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> like, exactly. Like, is anybody uh, on that on that aircraft carrier? Because it just looks like a bunch of just waters just splashing all around the <laughs> But you would only be invisible in the butt and crotch area. So I mean, <laughs> it's like, what do you? I mean, protect your assets, I guess. That's how you but... get in their head. Like you just see a torso <laughs> flying around. Whoa, we can't def- we can't defeat flying torsos. Yeah, how do I fight a ghost? <laughs> oh, Kyle. Oh, Kyle. Kyle. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported